This is Digital Pathology Today. Now here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. There's so much excitement and hype surrounding artificial intelligence, but what does it mean for the practicing pathologist? Our workflows seem very fragmented and antiquated, particularly in this era of digital pathology. Can we add value in the pre-analytic or specimen handling phase and also in the post-analytic or reporting phase? Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. Our guest is Dr. Halel Kahani, founder of StarPath Diagnostics. Dr. Kahani is a renowned and well-respected board-certified uropathologist with over 28 years experience. He has personally signed out over 1 million prostate corneal biopsies throughout the United States, serving well over 6,000 urologists and radiation oncologists nationwide. Dr. Kahani previously served as Chief Medical Officer and Director of Uropathology at Acupath Laboratories, Medical Director at Bostwick Laboratories, and Executive Medical Director of Uropathology at Dynon Systems. We're going to be talking about specific use cases for artificial intelligence in actual practice. What are the applications in workflow, quality assurance, primary diagnosis, secondary reads, and so forth? Pathologists have long been chained to their desks and their microscopes. What's the future for remote sign-out? And pathologists have certainly been very good at what they do, but how can we improve upon conventional light microscopy? And what about reimagining the entire workflow, beginning at specimen acquisition? And what opportunities do we see for pathologists to capture value? Today's podcast is sponsored by Motic Digital Pathology, creating the systems that move pathology forward. Dr. Halel Kahani, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so very much. Tell us a little bit about your experience and your interest in digital pathology. Started doing pathology in 1993. I joined a company in Connecticut called Dynon Systems. I was there from 1993 to 2007 and served as the executive medical director for uropathology. From 2007 to 2018, I uh, went over to Bostwick Laboratories, was the medical director of the New York facility. Over the last 28 years or so, I've seen probably well over 1 million prostate needle biopsy cases. I started at StarPath as the founder and co-owner in August of 2020. So I've been doing this for approximately nine months now. StarPath, what do you do there and what was the impetus for starting that or what are you looking to accomplish? We do mostly urology specimens and we're on the Lumea platform. Lumea is a company that's a technology company that was formed in 2013. They have a chip called a biopsy chip that has six grooves in it that holds six prostate needle cores. The biopsy link was invented or patented, I would say, in 2015. Then AI was associated with the biopsy chip in 2016. StarPath is one of four labs under PathNet Labs. PathNet Labs is a conglomerate of digital pathology practices here in the United States. We primarily do prostate needle biopsies. We do bladders. We do vases. Almost all exclusively uropathology specimens that are collected in the clinic. They are sent to a digital slide processing center where they are then scanned and then they are put into our queues throughout the country from where we look at them annotate them and report back to the clinicians on our final diagnoses it sounds like a lot of forces are kind of coming together or i like to say we're kind of in the perfect storm 
for digital pathology. So, and one thing that many people may not appreciate or focus on is the pre-analytic factors or the tissue processing and handling. So with this prostate chip or the biopsy chip, you're able to get six cores on one slide. So that saves resources and it makes the, the experience for the pathologist maybe more streamlined or more simple. You have those pre-analytic or tissue handling factors. Now we have the ability to scan slides. We have much faster scanners. We can sign out remotely. And now we're entering into this age of artificial intelligence. So everything seems to be lining up or kind of coming together to make what we enhance what we do. So tell us about your interest in artificial intelligence. We actually use two methods of artificial intelligence. We have an artificial intelligence based at the clinic. So in other words, we have a camera of which that chip goes into and the camera takes a photograph of the cores that are removed in the clinic. So we use an artificial intelligence model in that respect for grossing tissue. The camera actually photographs the tissue in those lanes and it gives you the exact measurement of each and every core. So the pathologist can actually compare what he's looking at on the screen to the gross description what was taken in the core. And that chip that we described, the biopsy chip, also has an RFID tag in it. So we can actually track the specimen pre-analytical as it works its way across the country or across the state, wherever it's going, with a slide processing center. That's one use of AI. The other use of AI is microscopically, where we partner with different AI companies and they run their algorithms on the tissue cores themselves and that highlights areas of tumor and or suspicious areas of which the pathologist has total control whether they toggle on or off that switch. So one can determine whether they want to use it before they look at the cords or after they look at the cords after look at the cords as a QA thing. Yeah, I think it can be a little bit intimidating or confusing what exactly we mean by artificial intelligence. I know it's such a buzzword and we're all very excited about it. There is the unknown and many pathologists may be even a little bit intimidated by it. Let's just take a step back and say, what exactly do we mean by artificial intelligence? It's not robots taking over the world or it's not a computer doing our job for us, but it's certainly enhances what we do. So just roughly, what do, what do we mean by term artificial intelligence as it applies to pathology? Machine learning type of a program of which you've shown the machine thousands or hundreds of thousands of cases of what's normal and abnormal. And the machine has learned by looking at the different patterns in histology and can determine what's normal from abnormal. And then as you continue training it, it can even get to the point where the algorithm itself will differentiate between the Gleason grades being a grade, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And it's able to kind of show you that either on a heat map representation or any other sort of way it's represented to the pathologist on a digital rendering, let's say. So as you're looking at the cores, you can turn this switch on and off like a light switch. And when it's turned on, the algorithm that's run in the background kind of brings forward the areas that it feels are tumor and it kind of leaves the benign in the background. And therefore the pathologist can turn it on and off and look at what the machine is looking at virtually as to what the human is looking at and make the comparison and determine whether they agree or disagree with what the machine has highlighted for them or brought to their attention. 
Now, so you have, I think personally, you've seen hundreds of thousands or maybe even over a million prostate cores. So you certainly have a vast experience there. And so who better to, <laughs> to ask than you? So could you make some comparisons as to what things were like in the old days, you know, before we had these great tools? What's changed now? How, how do you use it? Or what do you think is the best way to use it? And how does it make your job easier? Does it allow you to go faster? Are you more accurate? Does it allow you to focus on other things? So you're not necessarily searching for that proverbial needle in the haystack. How has it changed things for you? Actually, kind of gives you a, a kind of a lay of the land. It's almost like having a second pair of eyes or like an assistant looking at the cases, either triaging them or looking after you've looked at it. There's two ways of doing it. As I said, you get comfortable which either way you want to use it. You can look at it without the intelligence on, like you would a normal case. And then when you've completed annotating your tumors, which we do on every case because our slides are always you know, digitized, so we annotate every cancer that we see and assign a Gleason score, then you can turn it on and see how well you did. Because if you're perfect, so to speak, whatever you've annotated will highlight with a machine. That's one way of doing it. And therefore, before you sign out as something, say, as benign, the other fact, the, the other uh, function would be you look at cords, you feel they're benign, you turn on the, the artificial intelligence, it highlights an area, you go back and you relook at it again. So it may theoretically prevent you from missing something, or you can do it up front, turn it on before you look at the case and kind of go to those areas, fine tune that area. Make sure that you agree with the Gleason scores, the tumor length, perineural invasion, you know, anything else you're looking for, then turn it back off. So there's many ways to use the artificial intelligence to your advantage. It does make you go a little faster because you're not spending a lot of time. If there's obvious cancer there and the artificial intelligence picks up on it, you can go right to that area and start looking very closely at that area. Over time, as you develop confidence in the algorithm, you feel very comfortable and you're working with it for thousands of cases, you can start to see some efficiency there. So therefore, a pathologist can become more efficient as they're looking up and down, left and right across uh, all these uh, you know, tissue cords or prostate needle biopsy cords. So if you could just characterize it in terms of, is it for quality assurance, would you say? Is it to make the primary diagnosis? Is it to be your assistant? If you could just kind of put a label on it, what would you, what would you call it? I'd probably call it all three of those, to be honest with you. Quality assurance, you know, wonderful. You don't want to miss anything. And I know probably a lot of insurance companies would be very interested to know if you ran AI on tissue. That way you would cut down on anything you would miss. I had seen a study recently from Europe where they took a bunch of prostate cases that were already been signed out in the past, and they ran the algorithm on these cases, and they picked up approximately 9% of cases, they picked up small foci of cancer that were missed initially by a pathologist or pathologists who were not using the AI. So there's a huge advantage in running uh, AI in the background because it may pick up things that may have been missed. If you find one, it's helpful for a patient. As close as you can get to perfection is the ultimate goal here, of course. Some people are scared or nervous that they're going to be replaced by a machine or an AI. You know, I've also heard the trade expression, AI isn't going to replace physicians, but physicians who use AI will replace those who do. And I think it's interesting 
what you said that third parties such as payers or our clinician colleagues may be keenly interested in giving business to or trusting more uh, pathologists that use AI in their workflows. Do you think there's something to that? I do think there's something to that. And as, and as patients get more and more educated on their tissue and their biopsies, patients themselves may come forward one day and say, you know what, I would like to know if my tissue sample was also looked at by an algorithm in the near future. That could also occur a couple of years down the road. As patients become more and more educated about what we do, and I think it's somewhat inevitable, you know, everyone has Google. I think patients are coming more up to speed on technology and kind of looking behind the scenes or behind the curtain, so to speak. So that's AI, certainly is one of the factors. And then what about just our ability to sign out remotely? We've gotten a shot in the arm with this global pandemic where regulatory barriers have come down. FDA, as well as CLIA barriers, really to jumpstart our ability to sign out remotely. But in terms of other specialties, I know the comparison is often made with radiology. Radiologists have been signing out cases remotely for a while. You know, so what do you think is the state of the art of remote sign out? Are we there yet? Do we have a long way to go? What's, what's the future going to look like for, for pathologists? As you mentioned with the pandemic and COVID-19, it kind of all dovetails into the whole telehealth medicine with, with patients you know, not going many places because of the pandemic, telehealth has become a big issue. Pathologists can ride the same wave here. Uh, there is no time wasted as a pathologist. It's obviously safer for a pathologist to stay home as long as the pandemic continues. You become more productive. There's no time wasted in commuting back and forth to an office, whether it be driving yourself to work, taking a train, whichever way you have. So all that time spent Commuting is, can be used for signing out cases in a digital platform. The other advantage for a digital platform is one can annotate an area of concern on a slide and you can share it with your colleagues like a virtual multi-headed scope. So therefore, you can consult with somebody literally across the world on a difficult case in real time. And therefore, there's no delay in, in turnaround time. The same thing can be applied, obviously, to, to second opinions. No need to package up slides in a container, run off to UPS, FedEx, ship them somewhere, wait a couple of weeks to get something back. In this current world, you can almost instantaneously reach out to a colleague who's also on a, a digital platform. As long as you're both on the same platform, you can get a second opinion within minutes, literally which is phenomenal. In the old days, you would wait, as you know, a week, two weeks, maybe even a month before you got something back from folks. Here, you can do it within minutes. And so therefore, it overall improves patient care. We've all heard those horror stories. I think most cases or many cases are straightforward and pathologists are able to sign them out quickly. But I think one of the other huge benefit is, like you said, the, the difficult cases where you need a consult. I mean, there have been horror stories, patients waiting weeks or months, you know, other glass slides got shipped back and forth by FedEx. It had to get to the right expert. And so those wait times can be cut from months to, to a matter of hours. That's a huge step forward that many people may not appreciate. Pathologists have been very good at what they do. The light microscope has functioned very well. We've been able to work quickly, you know, that is once we get the glass slide in front of us and are able to look at it under our microscope. So taking out all this pre-analytic 
inefficiencies and processing times and driving cases and cars and FedEx and what have you. You know, once the pathologist is sitting down in front of the microscope, we've been we've actually done pretty well, surprisingly fast, surprisingly accurate. But what opportunities do you think there's going to be for improvement there? It's obviously gains in time, so the overall time to sign out a case should go down. Our efficiency or accuracy may go up with AI, but you know, realistically, what, what gains do you think we're going to see? Just the overall ability to order additional studies also is, is another useful thing with digital pathology. It's all in one spot. So in other words, if the pathologist sees an area of concern, it's all digitized. So you order the stain right up front. If additional genomic testing is required, we are connected with several of the companies of, of which genomic testing is asked for, for instance, decipher Prolaris Oncotype confirmed DX on malignant cases or, or benign cases. All that's simply flipping a switch on a digital platform and automatically material can be processed and sent off to these other entities that do this additional testing, therefore reducing the turnaround time on those additional ancillary tests that are requested. Currently, one has to physically go, pull slides, pull blocks, package them up, ship them off. You can see the inefficiency right there, of course. Now, speaking of those inefficiencies, one of the first things you mentioned was that the biopsy chip, kind of a pre-analytic innovation in the way, in terms of the way we handle tissue and possibly the workflows. As we move to digital, we're kind of looking, we're using a legacy system or maybe an antiquated system where a tissue comes in, it's fixed and fixed and formalin, goes into paraffin, a tissue processor. We cut slides, mount them onto glass, the same way we would do it for a light microscope. And then we actually add additional steps. The scanning of the slide is an additional step. So I think that's one of the the parallels between pathology and radiology or, or in attempting to answer the question why pathology is lagging radiology. So radiology actually eliminates a step when they go digital, right? They don't have to print out the film. We add a step where the, the glass slide has to be scanned. Are there any other innovations you can see in workflow and pre-analytic processing or tissue handling you can see on the horizon? Not there yet. Obviously, this is projecting further into the future. If we can cut out the staining part, in other words, if we can make a virtual stain based on a wet tissue, so you can skip the whole glass slide part. The other problem with glass slides, though, is you've got to store them somewhere. When you ship them around, they may or may not break in transit. So there's some other advantages. With that biopsy chip, the other advantage of a biopsy chip is those cores are perfectly lined up in each groove, so there's no tissue loss. Many times when you ship specimens, especially cores around the country in a little container with formalin, cores tend to break up in transit. Many of us have looked at, at prostate needle biopsy cores and you get in like the, we call like the spaghetti effect, where you got all these strands overlying each other and it's not nice, straight and homogeneous. And you always have that thought in your mind, well, as the cores kind of overlay each other and they kind of twist and become like a bowl of spaghetti kind of thing, you may theoretically have a benign core obscuring a malignant small focus is missed, not because you missed the tumor, because it was obstructed by a benign core that flopped over it. The other advantage of, of the digital platform is all that data is stored in the cloud. So if you ever need to go back and look up stuff, you want to write a paper, you want to do a study, whatever entity you want, 
all that information is, is very readily available to be downloaded and analyzed further down the road, as opposed to pulling glass slides. All of our slides are annotated. So every slide we have, a couple of hundred thousand of them, cores, I should say, have already been annotated. So they all have tumors circled with Gleason scoring and all that data is easily extractable. The digital workflow certainly offers those benefits. I mean, once the case is once the case is signed out, then a lot of things can be happening behind the behind the scenes. I think it's definitely going to facilitate research. Like you say, we don't have to store all these blocks, you know, in a warehouse, have them shipped on by courier, so and they're going to be almost instantaneously available, and they're going to be annotated, which I think is is a huge step, which many people may not appreciate. So maybe talk a little bit about that. You know, in the old days of looking at the glass slide, you would just document the pertinent findings in the pathology report. You'd say Gleason 3 plus 3, small focus of cancer on three cores measuring this amount and and so on. And, and that was pretty much the end of it. But now, so what do you mean by annotating slides? So you're looking at the slide, you know, in real time, and then you're making your annotations on the slide. How does that work? On the virtual digital slide. Right, on the, on the computer. On the computer, exactly. We use an eye pencil and we actually physically circle the tumor itself. And then the computer asks you about the Gleason score, which you fill in. It keeps track of which core came from which site. So the pathologist doesn't have to keep picking up, for instance, on a prostate biopsy, you're not picking up 12 slides. You're looking at two slides, six from the right, six from the left. So as you're going down these six tracks, the core in between each track, as you go left to right, up, down, whichever orientation you're comfortable with, you circle physically or circling with an eye pencil. And before you can continue on, the system asks you, if you circle it in red, what's the Gleason score? You cannot proceed without a Gleason score, obviously. You can circle high-grade PIN, ASAP in yellow, so forth. And all that actually transfers onto the report itself. Our reports are unique in the fact that the cores are oriented between proximal and distal. When the urologist takes a sample and we annotate the tumor, the report itself has a schematic of a core and whatever we annotate turns red on the report. So the urologist, when he gets the report back, he can tell whether that tumor that he biopsied is distal or proximal to where the needle or the capsule or the prostate is. So they have a good way of orienting the tissue. And that makes the reports that we issue extremely unique because most places just tell you there's cancer and how much cancer there is. But we tell you exactly where on the core the cancer is, in addition to the Gleason score and everything else. You're able to provide additional value. These innovations are able to provide additional information to the urologist treating the patient. How do we capture this value? Innovation and creating value and offering more information, better information to our clinicians and patients, I think is crucial. And it's part of what we do in pathology. But the coding system is so antiquated and limited. We have very limited codes for a biopsy. You have 88305, which could be a prostate core, or it could be a skin biopsy, right? <laughs> There's only one code, capture the value, which then in turn leads to the payment for what we do. And then for IHC, there's 88342. How can we innovate there and find new ways to capture the value that we're creating and to encourage further innovation? I believe we could have codes say an AI code, for instance, if we do employ artificial intelligence in assisting in the diagnosis, 
and making that diagnosis ultimately more accurate and precise, there should be a CPT code, whether AI was used. So that's one other code that can be added. We have second opinion codes, obviously, but we could attach those in real time without issuing a second report. It just seems maybe innovation might be somewhat discouraged or not encouraged, right? Where we're just kind of bound by these existing codes. But yet, as we can see, groups like yours are adding so much more value by employing AI, by employing these mapping strategies where you're able to offer more information. So Dr. Halal Kahani, thank you so much for being with us. And before we wrap up, maybe tell us, where do you see the field going? What excites you in the next 10 years or so? Having a lot more forward-thinking pathologists enter this arena and start to deploy these strategies and these methodologies for how we use it, kind of join us in moving this field forward and getting it more into the 21st century and when you think about it, that light microscope's been around for over a hundred years, and so is H&E stains, but life moves forward, technology moves forward, we should move forward. A lot of our colleagues and other specialties have moved forward. I think pathologists should welcome all these new algorithms, not just for prostate, but their algorithms can be used in, in all tissue in making life for the pathologist more efficient, more streamlined, more accurate, just to provide better patient care. I think all patients, regardless of where you live, anywhere in the world or the United States, a patient should have access to these technologies on their specimens. Most patients are unaware of who or what a pathologist is. They just know that a specimen was sent to a lab and the lab reported the specimen as either benign or malignant, let's say. They really don't really know much more than that. And I think pathologists should take a more actively involved position in getting more involved in patient care because it's paramount. What, what we say on a report ultimately affects a patient's life as far as treatment goes, especially if, if that report is of a malignant nature. Life does go on, and I agree. There certainly is a lot more room and opportunity for pathologists to be more intimately involved in patient care. Well, our guest has been Dr. Halal Kahani from StarPath. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.